You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black, editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is dedicated to you, the listeners. Every once in a while, we have been doing a listener mailbag where you can reach out to me and ask me anything you want to know. And we got about 10 to 12 questions that I'm going to go through today and answer on our mailbag section. News was pretty light. No more basketball games getting canceled. There wasn't really any football news. And the only thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about is that the state of Massachusetts is putting through legislation, and I don't know if it's going to pass or not, to have their own name, image, and likeness, or nil if you see it on um, a lot of different articles, their own legislation around that that would allow for college players in the state of Massachusetts to get paid. Now, why is that a big deal? It seems for the past 10 years or so, the biggest hot-button item in college sports is the role of the college athlete. Whether they are an amateur, whether they're a college player, or whether they are actually an employee of the university. Now, the traditional way of viewing an athlete in college is that they're getting paid to go and get you know, an education. They're getting their books and their food paid for and room and board and all that good stuff. But that's changed. And, you know, a lot of talk has gone on about stipends and cost of living increases. That's probably going to happen and should be happening soon. But I think players are looking above that. They want to add, they want a piece of the action. So what we're going to see is a push for name, image, and likeness payments, which is basically that college athletes can get their own endorsements. And it's been started at the national level. The NCAA was all on board on this. But they kind of drag their feet, and there's a whole political piece to it. I'm not going to get into that. But it's kind of stalled out at the federal level. Cory Booker and Richard Blumenthal have been the kind of spearheading this new Athletes Bill of Rights, which will include all of that. Um, but the NCAA is balking because it has more in there, like health insurance and things like that, that's going to make it more expensive. It seems inevitable that the, national, uh, the name and image likeness will pass through. But states like Massachusetts is try, are trying to buck that trend and get ahead of it. And so that's, that's good news for Boston College if they had players that could get endorsements. So you get guys like, you know, A.J. Dillon or Phil Dracovic. I could see them getting on some, uh, some endorsement deals. But this is Massachusetts. And as we all know, it's not a huge college city. So a uh, college state and college sports are not as high as like the Patriots or the Red Sox. So guys like, you know... TJ Ram or John Lamott, they're not going to make any money off name and image likeness around here because no one knows who they are. But you know what they could do? There's certain things that they that could get them money. So things like selling jerseys in the bookstore with their names on it, you know, selling photographs with autographs. You know, they could do all that kind of stuff too. I just worry that this will become a recruiting tool. For teams like down in the South where college football is insane, that they're going to be able to pay, you know, Trevor Lawrence to stand in front of a Ford dealership and say, hey, I'm Trevor Lawrence of the Clemson Tigers. Here's this 
you know, new Ford Explorer come down and get a new deal on it. You're not going to get that up here. So I, I wonder if this is going to really increase between the haves and the have-nots. And it might put Boston College at a disadvantage. So it's something worth watching uh, at this time. But then again, you, you get guys like Trevor Lawrence. He ain't ever coming to Boston College. So it, it'll be interesting to see you know those those middle-range players and, and how they this type of thing will impact them. Now, if this legislation was to pass... One part that will not be impacted, and I bet a lot of you are thinking about it, is the EA video games. They will. It does not include. Uh, I think it's like group likenesses, or there's like a group uh, clause that would have to pass before this would uh, go through. And so, at the state level, obviously, you're only having a you know UMass and BC having it impacted in in Massachusetts. It would have to be in Cory Booker and Richard Blumenthal's Student Bill of Rights or whatever they try to pass through that would get those EA video games back. Because if you're like me, I loved the EA video games. I think 2013 was the last one I had. Um, and that's an easy way to get lots of kids paid. And, you know, all the, all the NCAA has to do is say it's okay. And all those kids will get a, you know, like a nice little stipend because how many people out there are going to buy that game? I mean, the minute the NCAA 2022 comes out or 2021 or whatever you're going to call it, I'm there. I'm buying it. I don't care what, what system it's for. I'm getting it. Um, and there's a lot of people out there as well that feel the same way as I do. So I think that'll be something that will have to pass more at the federal or at the NCAA level before uh, the EA, EA video games return. And I don't even know if it would be EA at that point. I imagine it will because they have all that money. But uh, we'll see. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Now, in a moment, we are going to talk about your viewer, ma listener mailbag questions that you had. I'm going to get into them. I'm going to talk about some of the questions and give you the answers that you're looking for. But before we do, I want to talk to you about betonline.ag. This weekend is championship weekend in the NFL. You have the Bucks and Green Bay Packers. You have the Bills and the Chiefs. And if you're going to go put some money on one of these games, the place we recommend here on the Locked On Network is betonline.ag. Now, they have a special offer they want to give Locked On listeners. If you go over to betonline.ag and use the special promo code Locked On, they're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus. Now, that's good money. So if you put in 75 bucks, they're going to put in, you know, 37 and a half and give you, you know, that's a win right there for you. Now, you can bet on NFL. You can bet on this UFC fighting this weekend. There's the NHL, NBA. They have it all. They have prop bets. You can bet on, you know, will Tom Brady throw for four touchdowns or more or whatever you want. You can find those lines at betonline.eg. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Locked on Boston College. I also want to talk to you about one of our new podcasts, and that's Locked on Bets. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're looking to bet this year and want those wins, listen to Locked on Bets with Locked on Raiders host your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, MMA, football, NBA, NHL locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. 
we are going to start talking about your mailbag questions. I'm really excited because you had some great questions this week. My first question that we received was from Cam, who asked, Hello, I'm a big fan of Locked On Boston College. I have a question for Friday's mailbag episode. What are your thoughts on the linebacking core for next season after the losses of Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson? Will it be someone on the roster from last season, Lamott or Sparacio, or will it be a transfer or recruit who steps up, Grams Mobley, Lars Woodbay, etc.? Who will step into the leadership role defensively? Thank you. Go Eagles, Cam. So you have to fill at least two roles on the linebacker core. So you lost your two starting linebackers if they're going to play the 4-2-5 defense again you need to fill that Isaiah Graham Mobley definitely will be one of those those players they're going to need another linebacker that can move because Max Richardson and Isaiah McDuffie both had uh, good speed not great but it can't be a thumper like John Lamott John Lamott was a, a situational player and you have plenty of guys that can fill that role whether it's Hugh Davis whether it is Joe Sparacio they, or if Lamont comes back, we don't even know what his role is going to be yet, even if he if he comes back or not. So let's just look. We need that one spot. So you have Isaiah Graham Mobley. He's definitely going to be a starter. Who lines up next to him? Who has good speed? Now, there could be a, a guy on the roster already that could do that. You could see someone like Bryce Steele, who's the new freshman that came in, fill in that role. Or you could see a positional change. Or, or it could be Jaden Lars... Uh, Lars Woodbay, you could see him as well. I think it's going to be a position change, and here's why. I think they have some guys. Maybe it's going to be a Jamin Muse if he comes back. Maybe it'll be um, w- Lars Woodbay. Now, technically, he's a safety. He plays the same role as Jamin Muse. I got a feeling it's going to be one of those two guys that's going to play the other linebacker position. And I think at the thumper, you know, that third guy, the guy that played like John Lamont last year, I think you're going to see probably Joe Sparacio or Vinny De Palma. Vinny De Palma also could probably slide in at that th- second uh, linebacker group too if if they needed to. He's a I was impressed with his play in 2019. Um, he was injured all last year. He didn't get a chance to play, um, but he could also fill in as well. I and again I, I don't know where they are at with the transfer portal, and I'll just get to that question in a second because I know someone asked that. Um, but I, this is a position I, I still wonder if they're going to look somewhere else to fill one more spot at the linebacker group. But Cam, thank you for that question. Next question comes from John, who emailed me. I'd like to hear you talk about BC's future non-ACC opponents. As for next year in early September, we have a game at Gillette Stadium, but then it's against UMass. However, what a start to see how fired up the BC fan base is for BC football. I can see a very large crowd to finally see BC in action. I'd like to see BC start the season with a big game against a team with a good football program and play the game in Gillette, never in Fenway. I don't see any of these premier teams on the schedule until 2024 with Michigan State, Ohio State, and Stanford in 2028. But the UMass game will be interesting just to see how people of Boston are interested in BC football. BC football was a lot more exciting than the Pats last year, so maybe the fans will show up against UMass. Always enjoy your articles and podcasts, John. Thank you, John, for that email. Yeah, you're right. You don't get any of those marquee games until 2024 because you have, well, 2022, you get Notre Dame. I guess they they still count. But don't discount next year. I know you mentioned UMass, but they also have Missouri. And Missouri, I feel, is a team that's on the rise. I, you know, there's a, a Twitter account, 
pick six previews. They're a great site. I like what a lot of the work they do. They picked 20 of their top non-conference games for 2021. And, you know, Clemson and Georgia were, were one. And you know, they give all the the power schools their, their due. But Missouri and Boston College were on there. And I think it's a good one to watch. Obviously, they got Eli Drinkowitz, the former Appala- Appalachian State coach. And I think Missouri is going to be heading in the right direction. So that should be a really good game next year. When that game got on the schedule, it was looked at as like, oh, the dregs of the SEC are going to face BC. You're not getting a good opponent. I, I kind of re reevaluated how I look at that uh, that game. And I think it's going to be a fun one. And you get them in 2021 and in 2024. 2022... You get Rutgers, Maine, UConn, and Notre Dame. I apologize. I, I skipped over 2021. So you have UMass, Temple, Missouri. So UMass and Temple are what they are. There's going to be a fourth game, and I know people are going to roll their eyes, but I'm going to guess it's going to be an FCS school. They're going to probably try to fit that in. Uh, and so next year, other than Missouri, those other three games, you'll probably just you know, not really all that exciting. 2022, you get Notre Dame and UConn and Rutgers and Maine. Again... Those other three games, I, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't get up for Rutgers. And I know that their fan base is chomping at the bits to try to get up to the level of Boston College. I, I don't believe in Greg Schiano at all. And I think by that point, you know, Jeff Halfley will be smoking him on the on the recruiting trail. So those are three games along with Notre Dame. And, I, you know, we've played Notre Dame quite a bit lately. And I'm, I don't know, they just don't have the same sheen as they do before. 2023 is gross. It's Northern Illinois, Holy Cross, Army, and Yukon. Give me Army. That's obviously a great one. Holy Cross, it's an FCS school, and I know they have a history, but none of those other games. I mean, Army's fine, but there's no, like, premier out-of-conference game there. And then, as you mentioned, Michigan State in 2024. I don't really like to look forward past that because there are so many things that can change between now and then. Um, you know, ACC could remove an a, uh, out-of-conference game and, and make conference games count for nine games a year. Anything could happen. So we'll just stay up to 2024. Obviously, in the future, you've got Cincinnati, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Stanford. Um, and those are some games to look forward to. But, you know, I don't know where Boston College is going to, you know, it's going to be up to Patrick Kraft to see what he wants to do moving forward with the schedule. Um, but for now, it is kind of lackluster. You want to see maybe a, a more exciting team here or there. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. But thank you for that question, John. And the last question before we go to our, our commercial break has to do with my discussion that we had yesterday between Jeff Jagosinski's firing and Al Skinner and which one was worse. And someone responded back that they were both bad, but what was worse was the hires that they made directly after that. And I thought that was a great point. I forget who said it to me, and I apologize. I don't have your name in front of me. But I thought that was a great point. And it made me think then, what was a worse hire? And this one is like, man, I don't know how you make this choice. Who was a worse hire, Frank Spaziani or Steve Donahue? And Because Spaziani, you know, he got the team to a couple bowls. Steve Donahue did decent for a while. Uh, but he just completely screwed up BC's uh, roster management. I mean, he chased off how many players? And Frank Spaziani p- blew up the, the, the football program, and we're still digging out for what he did. So who who was worse? I'm just going to go with with Frank, Frank Spaziani because football is the money program on any campus. I'm sorry, basketball is like a close – is a second. But 
to have football just completely fall off a cliff is damaging for any athletic program. So I'm going to go Spaziani was a a worse hire. And, you know, you can look at who they could have hired instead in both. I mean, gosh, you had Chip Kelly there. You could have got him. Instead, they they went with, with Spaz. Um, but he he was definitely I, I I would put him just slightly ahead of Steve Donahue in terms of worse hires. In a moment, we are gonna continue our listener mailbag, and I'm gonna jump into Twitter, where I had a lot of questions I got to answer. So I have one segment to kind of get through them all, and we'll be back in just a moment. Locked on Boston College. If you have not done so already, please follow us on social media. You can follow the podcast at Locked On BC or my website at Boston College SI on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. AJ Black here, editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. Thank you for listening. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're going to jump into Twitter and look at some of the questions that you had about Boston College. So here's the first one from Joseph Ferris. He wants to know, are there any updates from the transfer portal, either potentials, comings, or going? And on top of that, Sean McCarran wanted to know how many portal scholarships are available. Good questions for both. For portal scholarships available, I'm just going to use simple math. There are nine guys so far from Boston College that have left or have entered the transfer portal. They have landed three. So by my math... And I should, you know, like Howard Stern usually does. He whips out his calculator. I think that's six scholarships that they have left over. Now, they could easily move those over to, you know, tr- uh, future recruiting classes. They, they can play around with that. Or they can save it and, you know, continue to um, build off of the transfer portal f- in the future. So they have six as far as I, I know of. And the question that Joseph had about whether the, how the potentials comings or goings, it has been quiet. Now, I have my system of checking out of who who's in the transfer portal, and it, it's a lot of social media work. Um, I actually had someone from BC say, "How did you figure out some of these things?" Well, I have my way, and I keep an eye on guys when they enter the transfer portal. See if coaches are interacting with them. I can find that stuff out pretty easily. And there's been guys that I was like, "Oh, he's a New Jersey guy." but no coaches have interacted with them. It's been like that all the last two weeks. And there's been a ton of guys that have been entering the transfer portal. I haven't seen BC interacting with any of them. So I have to say right now it's pretty quiet. I'm not sure if they're done with the transfer portal or these guys are just not the right matches for Boston College. I know Jeff Halfley and his staff, they have a very specific type of player they want that fits the culture that they have and the the scheme that they're playing. Um, but I haven't seen anything. So I, for now, I don't I don't have any names coming up on the transfer portal. But I can tell you when they do, if there's something pops and a name pops up like we had with Grant Calcaterra, I was on Chris Banks really quickly. Um, uh, believe me, I'll have that on our page at bcbulletin.com. Check that out. So thank you for the questions, uh, Sean and Joseph. And ben- Benoit15, and I apologize if it's Benoit, but I'm going to go with Benoit. I'm going to go with the question you asked. AJ, of the potential early enrollees or true freshmen, who do you envision making the biggest impact potentially on the 2D? Now, I've kind of talked a little bit about these players, but I have to look at the defensive side of the ball, specifically the defensive end. And a name has popped up over and over and over again as a player that I 
I underestimated when he first committed, but as uh, recently, I mean, he had a huge Florida Georgia game. He was just named first st- uh, state, first team all state in Georgia, and that is Neto Akpala. What is the one thing that we have talked about on this podcast is something Boston College lacks. That is a playmaker on defense, specifically someone who can get after the quarterback and rush, pass rush. That is Akpala to a T. I mean, he had he played in that tournament, the Florida Georgia game against other collegiate level players, and he was the defensive MVP. He's in the talent rich state of Georgia, and he was first team. All I've heard from from scouts, from John Garcia, our guy who covers this type of stuff, is this kid's an animal. And that he's going to be a very, very good pass rusher when he gets on campus. Now, Boston College, they need that. So it would not surprise me if he sees the field earlier rather than later. The other name, and it's someone you guys have all been big fans of, is Bryce Steele. I'm not sure if he's going to be an early enrollee or not, but... What he gives you is exactly what uh, Jeff Halfley needs on that defense. He's a hybrid linebacker safety that can go all over the field. And, you know, Jeff Halfley's trying to form his defense with a lot of those types of guys. So, you know, he has a a Deion Jones. But if Jamal Muse comes back, that could change it. But if he doesn't come back, you have this big spot. You also have the linebacker group. You don't know what's going to happen there. If Bryce Steele comes in and immediately makes an impact, I could see him playing right away. I could also see that being a reason why he committed to Boston College. Not only the scheme, but the ability to play early. So if he earns it, he's obviously going to have to earn it. That's a big thing with Halfley. It's not just going to hand it to somebody. they got to earn it. So Bryce Steele is someone I would keep an eye on on the defensive end, uh, the, the linebacker and safety group. So those are my two freshmen I could see playing. You could obviously see maybe a defensive tackle jump in as well. So you have Nigel Tate. You also have Owen Stoudmire. I could see either of them playing. The final question that we have for our mailbag. Thank you all for sending them. And feel free, if you have a question that pops up, email me at bostoncollegesi at gmail.com. I love hearing from you if you have something you want me to talk about. It doesn't have to be just for a mailbag. Sometimes it could be a whole segment in itself if you ask the right question. Patrick Tolan asked me, just listening to the podcast, heard about the mailbag. Here's my question. Do you think that BC can be a top 25 program in the upcoming season? Also, do you think BC can be the second best team in the Atlantic next year? So, can they be a top 25 team? Absolutely. I kind of talked about this in a previous episode. I, I've seen BC at, as a 9-3 team next year. If everything goes to plan, if they get the defense just tweaked a little bit and keep that offense humming the way that they were humming when Phil Dracovic was healthy, I could eat and, and really fix the red zone issue. I think that's a that's a as big of a problem as the defense. They fix those two things, they're going to be a top 25 team. The schedule lines up. You know, you get possibly three out-of-conference wins right off the bat. You battle Missouri, and then you play a favorable ACC schedule that doesn't include Notre Dame next year, and you draw what looks like Georgia Tech. Finally, BC gets a favorable cross-divisional game. I think Boston College could be in good shape to get ranked next year. Will they be the second best team in the ACC? And I will say yes. 
and I'm not going to sound like a homer here, but look at the rest of the ACC Atlantic. If that's what they go back to, honestly, I would rather see them go and get rid of the conf- uh, the divisions and go with the two best teams and make that, that, that the way to go. And then really make it more manageable for scheduling. I would love to see that. I don't know if that's the plan for next year. But if they do, if they go back to the Atlantic and, and Coastal, Boston College is better than Louisville. Right now, they're better than Louisville. You can't make that argument. And Louisville lost a lot, so they're gonna they're gonna be struggling. Syracuse is a mess. I don't see Syracuse getting out of the basement of the ACC Atlantic for a while. Wake Forest, good team. I still think Boston College is better than Wake Forest, and I think you know losing Surratt. I I think they're gonna be a, you know they're gonna be good. I don't think they're gonna beat BC. I'm selling on Florida State until they figure out what's going on with that team. It's been like six, seven years now, and this team has been completely irrelevant since Jameis Winston left. And, you know, they can talk about all the recruiting that they are doing and all the transfers they get. I'm selling hard on Florida State. I don't think they're going to get better. Um, I still think they're they're at least one new coach away from being relevant again. I, I don't think their their new coach is going to be the right answer. But So sell me on them. The real question comes, is it going to be Boston College or NC State? NC State had a good record last year. They're a good team, and I trash on Dave Doran constantly. I thought he was overrated. He did an excellent job with that team last year. They were a top 25 team. That's going to be the big game. It's going to be NC State and Boston College. So, you know, I'm going to say BC's a little better. I like Jeff Halfley. I think he's just going to be a coach that's going to push them over the edge. So yes, I think Boston College will be the top, the, the number two team in the ACC Atlantic next year, and that's where we're going to wrap it up. So this is Friday, and you know it's going to be a quiet weekend with BC Sports. You're going to have hockey, so check out the UConn BC uh, wrap ups on our page. Hopefully there'll be some recruiting or maybe transfer news that we can kind of hop into. But there's no basketball this weekend as the basketball game's been canceled. But keep keep your eyes on BC Bulletin. You know, if there's any new COVID news, we'll we'll be all over that as well. And uh, thank you all for listening this week. It's been a great week of uh, content here on the podcast, and I always appreciate all the uh, the notes that you send and the comments that you have about some of the topics. And if you disagree with me, I like hearing that too because I, I like hearing what people have to say. Well, this is AJ Black. Have a great weekend, everyone. I will see you all again on Monday for another episode. Take care.